I, I suspect all of us at some point in our life have sent someone a greeting card. The greeting card actually has a long history. The ancient Chinese exchanged written New Year's greetings. The early Egyptians sent greeting scrolls. As early as the 1400s, Europeans exchanged Valentine's Day cards. The first known Christmas cards were published in London in 1843. A thousand cards were printed by a businessman named John Calcott Horsley. He sold them for a shilling each, which doesn't sound like much, but in that day that was a week's wages for, for most people, so only the fairly wealthy could... Uh, ha- have one of these, but, but one of those cards was actually sold at auction in 2001 for over $28,000. And you thought those glitter Hallmark cards were expensive. <laughs> well, greetings have always been a part of communication. Uh, we, we learned early on to, as we are writing someone, to start out in a, in a, a, a nice way, to send them a, a, a greeting. Even if what we're having to tell them is somewhat a little bit difficult, you want to start on a positive note. And, and that was certainly true in the New Testament day. Uh, there were methodologies of writing, just like there are today. We typically start a letter by saying, dear so-and-so. And, and you know, that's a way for us to express to them, hey, I care about you. I, I, I'm, I'm writing you because you're a friend of mine. We may be telling them something that's a little bit difficult for them to hear, but we want them to know it's out of our love for them. Paul uses the very familiar practice of the day, the, the greetings of the New Testament era, and yet he gives them a Christian twist. And that's what we're going to see in these first three verses of First Corinthians, where we'll be reading this morning. Verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we want to introduce everyone we know to the God of grace and peace. Throughout the Bible, it's important to understand the background of the passage of Scripture that we're reading. When you understand the background, it it helps you to understand the truth that's being presented there. So for just a moment, we're going to take a look at the background of this letter that we call 1 Corinthians. In, In the Bible, we have two letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. It's the most extensive amount of communication to a church that we have of Paul, though we have several of his other letters to several other churches. This is the most extensive amount of writing that we have for any of the churches that Paul wrote that we have recorded in the New Testament. Now, the the reason is the Corinthian church was facing some really serious problems. Many of the believers in the church had come out of some seriously pagan backgrounds. They faced tremendous temptation to slip back into some of their previous habits. The church was in the middle of a culture that was ruled by not only idolatry, but was ruled by an immorality that was incredibly rampant in the city of Corinth. 
Paul's letter deals with several specific issues, but in those issues and in dealing with them, it provides us an in-depth look at what it was like to be a part of the New Testament church. The city of Corinth was one of the leading cities in the Roman Empire. It was located on a thin landmass that was between two very important bodies of water that from those two areas you could get to everything to the east and everything to the west. And so Corinth became a center of trade. It was a very prosperous city and with all of that wealth came some problems. There were a variety of temples located there. They have many people traveling from the east and many people traveling from the west. And so there were temples for everybody. If you had a religion, you could probably find a temple that fit your particular religion in Corinth. There were a number of wealthy families living in the city. Again, it was very, very prosperous. And they were from a number of different nationalities. So it was a very cosmopolitan city. It was very diverse. Lots of people from lots of different backgrounds. Primarily, the religion of the Roman people there was a religion of worshiping the goddess Aphrodite. She was the goddess of love and beauty and worship at that particular temple took on all kinds of immorality. It led to the city of Corinth having a reputation of wickedness. In fact, if you called someone out saying, you're acting like a Corinthian, You were saying they were acting in just a totally depraved and wicked way. Everyone around the Roman Empire knew how bad it was in Corinth. Paul came to Corinth sometime during the middle of the first century. And as Paul began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, an amazing thing started to happen. These people who came out of this this wickedness, this horrific immorality, suddenly began turning to Christ in large numbers. There was an amazing response to the message of Jesus. Now, most of the folks in this, this early church there in Corinth, they probably came from a primarily Gentile Background. Most of them probably were not out of the wealthy and influential families of Corinth. Most of them were probably some of the working people of that area. They they included uh, a lot of folks, some of them we know well, like Aquila and Priscilla. Now, what we call 1 Corinthians is actually not the first letter that Paul wrote to the church there in Corinth. In chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about an earlier letter. We don't have it preserved in the New Testament, but this earlier letter Paul had written when one of the church members there at Corinth, a a lady by the name of Chloe, who was a business lady, she did a lot of, of business between Corinth and Ephesus. She had come to Ephesus where Paul was at that time with some News about some problems that were going on in the church. And Paul had written this earlier letter about that, describing some some specific things that they needed to do. And and then uh, he received word back that, well, things have gotten a little bit better, but then some things have gotten a little bit worse. And so he, he writes what we call 1 Corinthians in response to that. So this is at least the second letter that Paul has written to Corinth. And this letter gives us some insight into the ways that our faith in Christ should impact our life. The letter is significant for the Christians of any era. 
We face a challenge of how to live in a world gone crazy. How do we continue our Christian faith in a world that seems so diametrically opposed to the Christian faith? And so the letter of 1 Corinthians has tremendous meaning for us right here, right now today. These are important words of guidance for all of us. How not to fall victim to temptation, but how to extend the love of Christ to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Paul starts the letter in the way that that most of the letters of that day would be started. In in our letters, we typically say who we are at the very end. We we will have, uh, you know, the the little, uh, you know, love, and then we'll write our name or or whatever, sincerely and write our name or whatever. Well, in, in, in in the New Testament day, they would begin by saying who they were so that you would know who the letter was from immediately. And Paul identifies himself by name, but then he also identifies himself with this statement, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, he emphasizes that he is an, an, an apostle. Now, there's a reason for that. Later on in the letter, he's going to deal with some people who were saying that he was not an apostle. And so he begins by, by making that claim. But he, he says, this isn't something that I did. It's not some title that I gained from someone. Nobody gave me a certificate saying you were a, you're an apostle. No, I'm an apostle by the call of Christ. And that's going to be very important throughout the course of the letter that he talks about how what he is doing is not some man-made plan. What he's doing in sharing the gospel is something that Christ called him to do. That'll be important later on in the letter. Paul then identifies a church like we would do it in a letter when we're writing someone at the first of our letters, we would we would write who that person is and and that was the common practice of the day. He identifies that he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he he identifies them. He says, "I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, and you are called by God. You're sanctified by God. You're called to be Holy, and that's going to be a very important message as he goes to the rest of the letter. Our call as believers to live lives of holiness. He'll talk about why that's important as we move through the letter. Even in a city like Corinth, it was important that they allowed the gospel of Christ to transform their life. Paul's going to call the Corinthians to task on on a number of areas in their lives where they faltered. And some of them were extremely serious. But from the outset, he wanted them to understand that in Christ, they were holy. And he calls them to live as they truly are. We'll see how that's important as we look through this letter over the next few weeks. Knowing who you are isn't something important. You know, we, we understand that. It's important to, to recognize who you are. That's not just important at the DMV when they ask you for the name they want to put on the driver's license. It's important to know who you are in life. Knowing who you are means that you know your family. People spend hours and hours and hundreds of dollars tracing their ancestry just so they can know Their family. That's important to us. Knowing who you are helps you at work. If you know who you are, you know where your desk is. If you know who you are, you know what your job title is. If you know who you are, you know what you're supposed to do at your job. That's important. 
Knowing who you are means if someone calls and they ask for you, you know who that is they want to talk to. But it's more than just knowing your name. For the believers in Corinth, knowing who they were meant knowing that they were sanctified in Christ. That they were called to be holy. And throughout the letter, he will remind them that they should live like who they are. And so should we. If you know Christ this morning, you are sanctified in Christ. Now, that's a big religious sounding word. You're called to be holy. There's another one of those religious sounding words. But all that means is we are to live like who we are. Have you ever heard someone make the statement, you know, he's living like a king? Well, we know what that means. We, we, we kind of have an idea of what a king ought to live like. So someone that we're saying is living like a king, it means they're, they're living, uh, you know, really extravagantly. They've got really nice stuff. They're just spending lots of money. That's what we mean. You wouldn't expect a king to live in a cardboard box and eat Roman noodles all day. In fact, if they were, you'd think, well, something's wrong. <laughs> That's not living like a king. What about us? We should live like we know Jesus. Live like you are a child of God. Live like you're sanctified in Christ, like you are holy, because that is who we are. And we should live. Like who we are. Now, with that background, Paul then begins his letter with these wonderful words In Christ we know grace and peace. That's how Paul begins there in verse 3 Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul takes two common greetings from the New Testament era, one of them Greek and one of them Hebrew. Jewish. And he gives both of them a a, a Christian twist. First, he takes one that was common in the Roman world, the word grace. There's a nice way to greet someone, don't you think? And actually, in in the Roman world, they, they used a slightly different form of that word. But but Paul changes it just a little bit to give it that Christian understanding of grace. In fact, grace becomes a, a focal point of what Paul teaches throughout all of his letters. The grace that we have received in Christ. The grace that would forgive a former persecutor of Christians and transform him into a messenger of the gospel. It's a clear understanding throughout the writings of Paul. His his focus on the grace that we know in Jesus. And that grace brings peace. Now, peace was a common greeting among the Jewish people of the New Testament day. 
uh, much like our, you know, have a nice day. Well, well people would greet each other and say, uh, have peace today. But Paul's greeting was not a wish for peace. He knew peace in the grace that he had in Jesus Christ. This man who had brought so much chaos into the communities of believers as he would come into an area the believers would hide because they knew what Saul, as Paul was previously known, they knew what he'd come to do. He'd come to take them to jail. He'd come to have them beaten. He'd come to have some of them killed. But the peace that Paul found in Christ transformed him from this man of chaos into a man of peace. And it was a peace that only Christ could bring. And Paul wanted there to be no understanding. This peace came from God. It wasn't a peace like men would bring. This wasn't just some kind of a lifestyle change for, for Paul. This was something much, much deeper. This wasn't just something that, that he discovered a better way of life or he discovered something that gave him happiness and contentment. No, this grace and peace was from God our Father through Jesus Christ. When you see something that you want, typically you'll go up to the person and you'll say to them, hey, where'd you get that? You, know, you see somebody wearing a really nice jacket. You think, well, I'd like one of those. So you go up and ask them, well, where'd you get that? Or you see somebody wearing some really nice shoes. And you think, wow, those are pretty sharp. I, I think I'd like a pair of those. Where'd you get those? Or maybe you see them driving a really nice truck. You know, wow, I'd really like one. Where did you get that? Wouldn't it be great? If people saw the grace and peace of Christ in us, and it was so vibrant, so readily apparent, that they would stop us and ask, where did you get that? That happened to Paul repeatedly, but, but we, we have one time that is recorded that obviously made a profound impact not only on Paul, but a lot of other people. Paul and Silas were in prison. They'd been beaten because they were sharing the name of Jesus. And there with the blood streaming off their back where the whip had cut into their flesh, Chained down onto the floor. They were singing hymns of praise to God. And somebody heard them that night. I mean, God sent an earthquake and the walls shook and the chains fell off. You remember what happened. The jailer came in and, and he recognized, hey, if all the prisoners have gotten out, I'm done for because the the law in Rome at the time was if if you allow a prisoner to escape you take their place <laughs> and he looked throughout that prison and all the prison doors were open and he thought well if all these guys are gone there's nothing for me anymore and he was about to kill himself and Paul called out and said no don't do that we're all still here 
And he recognized that voice because the jailer had heard him singing through the night and no doubt had been wondering, where did he get that? How can he sing? He's got to be in pain. He's got to be hurting. He's got to be mad that he's been thrown in prison. Why is he singing? Where did he get that? And now with an opportunity to escape, with an opportunity to get back at the very jailer who had put him there, now Paul and Silas, they hadn't escaped at all. They were still right there. Where'd they get that? And you remember what the jailer did. He ran in and he fell before Paul and Silas and he asked them, what must I do to be saved? What if the grace and peace that we know in Jesus was so evident, so vibrant in our life as we go through our, our, our daily tasks, as we go to work, as we go to school, as we, we live out uh, our, in the neighborhoods, wherever we are and whatever we face, whether it's a, a good day or whether we are facing a horrific day that people what they see when they look at us, they see the grace and peace of Christ so vividly that they would say, where did you get that? And our answer could be from the only place where it's available. From God our Father. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Heavenly Father, oh, our prayer would be that your grace and your peace would be so vibrant in us, so evident that the people around us would ask, where'd you get that? <laughs> that, Lord, we might be able to give them a clear answer. The only place where that grace and peace comes is from our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, may our lives ring out that message clearly. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.